Thanks for listening to Westminster Insider. We'll get started right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today's episode is presented by Lloyd's Banking Group. Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyd's Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades, supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK. Brighton, September 2021. The rain was torrential. You only had to be exposed to it for a few seconds before you were totally soaked through. No one had brought any waterproofs. There wasn't an umbrella in sight. It's supposed to be sunny by the sea. The journalists surrounding the old market theatre were wearing suits and dresses, holding cameras and microphones. My colleague and I had... I am not exaggerating, sprinted along the seafront to get there in time. No one there cared about the rain because everyone there had a purpose, to try and get a shot and maybe a chat with the man who was at that very moment the very top of the news agenda. A woman came over to the crowd of journalists. Who are you all waiting for, she asks. Andy MacDonald has just resigned, I told her. Andy MacDonald, she replied. Who's that? That's when the bubble burst. Andy MacDonald, just in case you don't remember, was the Shadow Employment Secretary who quit his job on Keir Starmer's front bench midway through Labour conference two years ago. When it happened, makeshift newsrooms in the conference centre lit up. Could this be the start of a split in the Labour Party? The hard left declaring civil war against Keir Starmer and his controversial plans to rewrite party rules? As I say, we literally ran to cover the news. But in the end, it didn't really matter. The literal woman in the street hadn't heard of Andy MacDonald before he resigned and didn't care much afterwards either. Two years later, Keir Starmer is still in post, with a tighter grip on his party than ever before, and still barely anyone knows who Andy MacDonald is. But that can happen at conference. For four days, the circus packs up, leaves Westminster and comes to Manchester, Birmingham, Brighton or Liverpool. And even more than usual, it feels like what happens there is a really big deal. But if it's just a feeling... And most voters are oblivious to what happens at conferences. Who are they actually for? Why do political parties spend months planning, hundreds of thousands of pounds preparing for less than a week of speeches, fringe meetings and some really, really bad karaoke? It is a a very important formative part of a political career to address party conference. The members don't really count anymore. It's become more of a sort of mini Davos. The parliamentary parties often are not there because it's too far away, too costly. That's the sort of secret thing about conference. It's not a complete scam. It's just it's overblown. 
From Politico, I'm Aggie Chambre, and this week on Westminster Insider, we're asking what on earth is the point of party conference and whether our politicians wouldn't be better off staying back in Westminster and getting some proper work done. It's eight o'clock in the morning, I'm leaving my house and I am off to the seaside. I'm going to Lib Dem conference. I am just getting to Marrowbone Station. From here, I will get the train to Bournemouth. It's about two hours and I bet I will see loads of people going to Lib Dem conference on the train. Okay, I have just arrived. I can see lots of people loitering outside, mostly in suits. I can see the sea, which is really exciting, and a fairground ride. It's my phone, That's fine, that's fine. Okay, cool, thank Thank you very much. I've already seen Ed Davey and his press officer. So, I'm going to follow them and see what they're up to. Hi, Ed, I'm from Politico, so nice to meet you. Hi, Hi. I just wondered if you could tell me what you think the point of party conferences as a leader. It gives us a chance to showcase our policies. It also enables people to come together and to swap ideas and the social networking is really important and I think, yes, you can see people having a great time. Thank you so much. I am going to go and find some Lib Dem members. Can I just ask you why you're here? It was one of my favourite times of the year to come down here. It's just uh, something I enjoy. I think part of it is about community, seeing colleagues you haven't seen for a long time. I like the way we make policy here. The best thing about party conference to me is the fact that it's a little bit like a big family sort of Christmas meetup. You see your uncle who you've not seen like since previous Christmas, but at conference. Do you feel like it sort of infuses you and makes you more excited about the party? It does make you want to go out and tell other people that should be voting for us and doing things. So it really does spur you on that way. You do go home and think, right, I'm going to do something now. And one of the things that people have said to me is it's quite expensive, but it's kind of worth it. Would you be willing to tell me how much it costs you to come? I paid about £280 for the hotel. Came down on the bus, so it wasn't too expensive doing that. (laughs) Well, I'm only here for the day, and I suppose if I tot up what I've spent, it's probably about £120 just for the day. I was joking to a colleague earlier that when I was younger, I used to kid my little kids into thinking it was a holiday. (laughs) Now, if you've never had the joy of going to a party conference, let me explain what they actually are. Every autumn, and sometimes in the spring too, the great and the good of each political party gathers for three or four days at a big conference centre far away from London to drink, debate and discuss party policy. Good morning. Former Deputy Prime Minister Michael Heseltine was once the darling of Tory conference. His first conference was in the late 1960s. He still remembers it now. I think I was a junior spokesman on transport. I think I even spoke late in one afternoon to a deserted hall. You always have to start in life. Can you tell me the point of party conferences? They're great rallying points for the more energetic and uh, committed members of the party. They range from serious political discussion to fringe meetings and social occasions. It enables the activists to get close to the leaders of the party. Sometimes it uh, even creates a sort of political initiative. The first post-war conference was held in Blackpool in 1946. For 60 years, the site was home to some extraordinary summits. Once, Bill Clinton, then fresh from leaving the White House, turned up to Labour conference, made a powerful speech and then went to McDonald's. 
1963, Harold Macmillan resigned as Prime Minister on day one of Tory conference via a letter and then didn't show up. It quickly then turned into an impromptu leadership race, which was so exciting, the BBC, which at that stage only had one channel, broke into a sporting fixture to carry some of the speeches. Political veterans like Heseltine remember conferences at Blackpool fondly. The great conference venue was the music hall in Blackpool. Here you had atmosphere and it was quite intimate and tiered and when it was full there was an enormous buzz. As the years went on, the conference shifted to the great new centres and they had no life. They were vast and uh, the people were a long way away and it had quite a considerable effect on the impact of, of a speech. Last year, the Tories hosted their first spring conference in Blackpool since 2007 in a newly revamped centre. Michael Heseltine is now 90 years old. He hasn't been to a conference for a little while. But the rabble-rousing picture he paints sounds more like the scenes I saw at the Lib Dems than at the more professional outfits of the Tories and now Labour. The editor of The Spectator magazine, who's watched conferences change over the decades, says members are no longer the priority at these. It used to be so a party could meet their members. That's why they were held in these seaside towns. This is Fraser Nelson. Because they had plentiful, cheap accommodation. In the same way that your average Brit would be able to afford a relatively cheap week in the seaside, they could afford to go to party conference because it was all about the members. But that changed. Now, in the time that I've been a political journalist, it's gone from being almost exclusively seaside more towards the cities because the members don't really count anymore. What counts is the corporates. It's become more of a sort of mini Davos. Now, Davos is not really about the speeches that are made or the discussions that are held. What Davos is about is that a whole bunch of people get in one small space for about four to five days and you can get all your meetings done. And the Tory party conference, Labour party conference, now has become the same sort of thing. These are professional conferences where people go who have got a working interest in politics. Now all you find is lobbyists, is corporates, is people who are special advisors or in the business of politics. We are sat in the spectator offices, which are literally a stone throw from the House of Parliament and all your journalists have passes. So for you, you're sort of saying it's a place where all the key politicians are in the same place. But obviously you're here in Westminster. Is it becoming sort of having less and less of a point because you have everyone you need here? Certainly there is something bizarre about seeing the train from London to Birmingham or whatever it might be. And you can see pretty much Westminster Village decamping en masse to a city for a few days and then they decamp en masse on the way back. The other major point is to fundraise. It makes staggering amounts of money for the Labour Party, for the Tory Party. The corporates pay huge amounts of cash. So if you want a big boost to your party coffers, you go to Tory Party Conference, you go to Labour Party Conference, you will do all of the sponsorship and you make out like bandits for as much as you can over three or four days. Parties can make millions from conferences. And it's not just the money members pay that raise funds. Ticket sales from businesses raise even more. If you're a business attendee, you'll pay almost a grand. And then you could be paying double or even triple that to attend the Business Day at Labour or Tory party conference. That's the day that gives you access to the party's top politicians. So what are businesses getting out of it? 
It's a really brilliant mix of spending time with politicians. This is Siobhan Haviland, the Director General of the British Chamber of Commerce. Business leaders, people who love politics, who are just there for sort of the immersion into the energy of it. Say the CEO of NatWest comes to you and says like, how am I going to make the biggest impact at conference? Where should I be? What should I be doing? What would you say? Um, I would say make the most of the opportunity to engage with senior ministers or shadow politicians because everybody's in the same place in one go. So it's a really great moment to do that over the course of two or three days. But actually also take the opportunity to meet your fellow CEOs who you probably don't get to see very often too. So that sort of brush by, serendipitous, hi, how are you? And when you say brush by, will you ever sort of do a brush by or advise people to do a brush by on purpose? So if they know that, for example, the Chancellor's going to be somewhere, are you like, okay, let's go there? And then you're like, oh, Chancellor, it's so nice to see you. What a surprise. <laughs> um, not sure I would advise that necessarily. That sort of slightly loses the spontaneity, if you like. But I did bump into Kwasi Kwartang at an event at a party and we had a nice natter. So when I saw him next in a more formal setting, we had that moment together. So, yeah, that, that's nice. That works. It's not a complete scam. That would be unfair. This is Mark McGregor, now the managing director of Pentagroup, but previously the chief executive of Conservative Headquarters. He's a little less enthusiastic than Siobhan about party conferences. There is some point to it. It's just it's overblown. People think that there's some magic that happens. If you go there, you'll rub shoulders with this politician or or that cabinet minister. And it's true. There are some events that you can do where, where that does take place. But one of the things when I was working at Policy Exchange, the, the think tank, we did a whole series of fringe meetings. And one of them, I remember, I think David Lammy was the speaker, was at eight o'clock in the morning on the last day of conference. I think he was slightly the worse for wear. Somebody had sponsored that event. And had it not been for the amazing free breakfasts, there would have been nobody in the room other than the 15 students who decided to come along. Now, if you think that's a good expenditure of money to have an influence over what actually could be a future uh, foreign secretary, fine. But mostly those things, you know, you, you have to understand that that isn't really achieving anything. And there's a little bit too much of that goes on at party conferences. And what would your advice be for businesses going to conference? Go there for a short period of time, do the meetings you have to do and leave. There is a sort of experience for everybody else, which is, yes, you've got to go for the three, four days because somehow there's magic that happens there, either on the conference floor or in the fringe meetings. And most of that just simply isn't true. But there's also an illusion uh, that many public affairs folk like to contribute to that that somehow what happens there is is actually important. So I am obsessed with this, the illusion of the importance of conferences, which is occasionally perpetuated by lobbyists. There is an element of exaggeration, shall we say. And so we I had a, an incident recently where I was working with a, another consultancy and they rather portentously said to the client that we were working with together, that they had constructed a high-level note to an advisor to the Secretary of State. Well, that's an email to a special advisor. Let's call it what it is. I think there's an interesting question about whether the lobby industry itself relies on sort of 90% BS, if we're being honest. 
This is Sam Coates, Deputy Political Editor at Sky News and soon to be co-host of a new podcast, Politics at Jack and Sam's, which launches, get excited podcast fans, this coming Sunday evening at Tory Party Conference. The promise of contact, the promise of influence is often very overstated. But I think that it is a moment where business people can come face to face much more easily with politicians. It's also a moment where money can talk. It's the sheer weight of ministers wandering around there with not very much to do. And this, of course, is Politico's very own Jack Blanchard, Westminster Insider Editor and the other half of Jack and Sam's podcast. They're just prime meat for the lobbyists to at least bump into at events. And a successful lobbying operation can often be a, and I'm doing like air quotes when I say successful, from their point of view, they had a very good chat with the minister for such and such. I bumped into them through a lift and we spoke for 15 seconds, job done as far as I'm concerned. I mentioned my name and gave them my card. There's a lot of that that goes on. And I think, you know, for these lobbyists, if if you're not there and your rivals are there and doing that sort of face-to-face contact, then you're going to feel like you're missing out. a secret thing about conference and one of the, the things that hurts your head, particularly Tory conference, what you get is a whole bunch of MPs go, oh, it's really expensive. We have to pay for it ourselves. If we go and we need a flunky, and everybody needs a flunky, if we bring a flunky, we've got to pay for them too. So that's two hotel rooms. And there's no real gain for being an MP at party conference. The principals have to go to do big speeches, meet with editors of newspapers and broadcasters, and it's a really big deal. And the party staff will go. But the parliamentary parties often are not there because it's too far away, too costly. And you can have a bit of a holiday over this conference break. So this is something I heard while making this podcast. One Tory MP said to me that he never goes and neither do many of his colleagues because it's just a load of lobbyists wanting to meet you. It's particularly true of Tory conference more than the others. I think that they're the ones that you always hear complaining and almost feeling quite excluded from their own conference. As Sam says, like, why on earth would I be there? You know, they don't get to get very involved in things. They can go and watch their leaders make these short political speeches on the stage if they want to, but they'd probably rather be in the Alps or whatever wherever Tory MP goes to. But I think, you know, the presence of the lobbyists isn't necessarily a negative for the party as a whole. It kind of depends on the context, because I do remember Labour conference last year. Suddenly, all these business types were swarming around Rachel Reeves and the other key politicians in a way we hadn't seen them attracted to Labour politicians for years. And actually, it was quite a good symbol for Labour for those people to be there. And I remember some of their MPs, like, pointing them out, going, look, look at all these people who are interested in this again. It feels like 10, 15 years ago. It's true. Last year's Labour conference felt so different. It was very professional. Everyone was dressed in suits. Almost everyone was on message. The fallout from the mini-budget meant financial markets were crashing and Labour was capitalising. We will cut the basic rate of income tax to 19 pence in April 2023. The City of London woke up to a currency crisis. The pound sent tumbling on Asian markets to its lowest ever level against the dollar. Let them never ever claim again to be the party of sound finances. Never again. A return to trickle-down economics, an idea that has been tried and has failed. There were a lot more business people there. BCC's Siobhan Haviland again. People like Bloomberg, NatWest holding dinners and so on with uh, Labour and Peace. So you could really see, I think, the change in tone. And Labour, you know, they have done a good job of engaging business and helping them understand, I think, what they're thinking about. And is that something you suspect will happen even more this year? Yeah, I think business leaders want to come and hear from Labour because they may be in government next time round. We don't know. I think that given the polls, 
people are looking at things a bit differently and we will be at all three collectively. But do you get the sense from CEOs that they're more interested in being at Labour than they were? I think before a general election, people are more interested in whoever they think is going to win the election. But it's not just businesses who are more interested. A better litmus test, perhaps, are the boozy parties. Parties are really the most interesting part of conference, and almost certainly the most political. After the day is over, conference attendees head to the drinks receptions, followed by the invite-only parties, followed by a drink in the hotel bar, and before you know it, it's 3am and you've got to be up for work in three hours and you don't feel very well, and then... But anyway, the spectator party, it's legendary. But it's only ever been hosted at Conservative Party Conference. This year though, for the very first time, they are expanding and throwing on at Labour too. Well, why not? We would want to do this whether Labour was likely to enter government or not. Fraser Nelson again. There was a certain amount of interest in it, so we're going to experiment. There was a time where serving less champagne was controversial. So we'd be told, OK, David Cameron's coming, but he doesn't want to be served champagne, so could you have a glass of water ready for him, etc.? Because the optics can be bad. But, you know, the Labour Party say that they're um, open to all sorts of... Um, making all sorts of new friends. And the spectator, as always... You know, we've got several Labour voting um, writers as well as a good chunk of our readers. I think Labour's expanding now. And I think not just the spectator, but other... Uh, publications will be having a presence at the Labour Party conference more than they were before. Part of the Spectator Party's pull is its exclusivity. We do that, I think, mainly on the tightly controlled guest list. Every year at a Tory party conference, some of my, my colleagues in the events department, they need to be their guardians. And they're used to people saying, don't you know who I am? You've got to let me in. And they have got to say, we couldn't care less who you are. Your name is not down. You're not coming in. They're like, what do you mean I'm Lord such and such? No, forget it. Or what do you mean I'm a member of the government? Sorry, your name's not on the list. So that has been quite uncomfortable over the years. But so you literally have people turning up outside saying, please, can I come in? Oh, roughly speaking, one every 10 minutes. <laughs> and they get batted away no matter what. If they're a member of the cabinet, they can get batted away. So the point for businesses and lobbyists, is to meet politicians, to make connections, or at least to say they have. For activists, it's broadly similar, but there's something else too. At some conferences, the fundamental policy direction of a party can be changed by activists' votes. OK, I am sitting at the back of Lib Dem Conference Hall. They are debating a motion to remove house building targets and an amendment that would effectively keep house-building targets. A laissez-faire, free market, winner-takes-all bonus for those who see houses as capital investments. This is former Lib Dem leader Tim Farron speaking in the debate. Amendment 1 could be the most right-wing thing I've seen at party conference since we set Liz Truss off to go and work undercover. Seriously, I, I have spent... Okay, the voting has opened. All those in favour and all those against. Oh, here we go. Wow, okay, so Amendment 1 has passed, which means the young Liberals have got what they want. So they've effectively reinstated house building targets, which is not what Ed Davey and the leadership wanted. I'm just going to go and try and box some people. Sorry, can I get out? Thanks so much. 
Yes, I am very, very happy. We really do need a target. I think we did what Liberals do and we debated. And I'm very happy how it turned out. But if it hadn't turned out the way I wanted, that's democracy. And I would have supported the party anyway. Are you disappointed? No, not at all. Tim Farron again, who was on the losing side of the debate. Seriously, no disappointment at all. Well, you always want to win, don't you? But I'm, in a, I'm a Liberal Democrat. Are you pleased that this is the kind of party that actually you decide policy and it's yeah, starting? absolutely. I think it's a great showcase for us. So I'm not, not disappointed because I think the best arguments won. Sitting in the back of that Lib Dem conference hall, I saw policy decided that will almost certainly be in the Lib Dems manifesto, even though it wasn't what the leadership wanted. And everyone, even those on the losing side, seemed fine with that. This differs from party to party. At Labour conference, they also vote on policy, although there are ways for the leadership to essentially just ignore this if they want to. Oddly, the Liberal Democrats is the conference with the most activists, the most votes on policy. Sam Coates again. And actually, a defeat at party conference on a motion tied Nick Clegg's hands to a certain extent while he was in the coalition government. That mattered enormously. At the Labour Party conference, you also have votes on motions. And although they are not binding on the leader and manifestos and decision making, a leader brushes it off and ignores it completely at their peril. It's a moment where the party can tell the leader, stop. And although sometimes that's part of the regular back and forth, occasionally it does make a party leader halt in their tracks and and think again. And also Labour conference votes when they really do matter. Jack Blanchard again. Or when they're trying to make real changes on the internal machinations of the party. And we saw that in the Corbyn era. And we saw Keir Starmer making a big move a year or two ago to change some of the rules back to make it much harder for left-wing Labour leaders to be elected again. And those are really big moments in the history of the Labour Party, going all the way back to Tony Blair and way beyond. This is a modern party living in an age of change. It requires a modern constitution that says what we are in terms the public cannot misunderstand. At conference in 1995, Tony Blair won a key vote to remove Labour's commitment to nationalisation. Winning that vote became known as this Clause 4 moment and changed the party's constitution. For Labour, there is a difference between voting on policy motions and constitutional changes. Constitutional changes are binding. The Tories, meanwhile, do not vote on any policies at conference. Those attending turn up, they listen to the leaders speak, and then they go home again. There are no votes on anything at all. There are occasions when you'll get an incredibly important debate, which will affect party policy. Former CCHQ chief exec Mark McGregor again. But the times when policy discussions and the debates at conference were live, were real things that actually influenced it, those are long gone. And why is that? Because the parties have worked out that it is an effective way of communicating to the outside world. And so they don't really want divisive debate. What they actually want is to present, here's our platform to the outside world. Here's what we believe in. And all the other things that actually can contribute to showing that they're divided or that there's a disagreement, all of those things they don't really want to have on public show. So actually, the party apparatus they are specifically there to ensure that it goes as well as possible and that you communicate to the outside world. And maybe you enthuse your activists along the way that you've got a sense of direction, you've got a series of policies, but anything that the the noise is off are often where there's most problem. Coming up, the point of party conferences for politicians and reporters. 
That whole conference sort of ended in a cataclysmic disaster with people being fired live in front of journalists' eyes in the middle of the morning. Stay with us. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. A message from Lloyd's Banking Group. Lloyd's Banking Group has championed social housing for decades. It provides finance, expertise, and guidance to more than 340 housing associations across the UK. These range from small local associations of several hundred homes to much larger regional associations responsible for tens of thousands of properties. Each has an important role to play in their community to help people find a safe place to call home. Improving access to quality and affordable homes is central to Lloyds Banking Group's commitment to helping Britain prosper. That's why Lloyds Banking Group is calling for one million more homes to be made available for social rent over the next decade. There are conferences where nothing happens. And there are conferences where everything happens. They can be the sites of great political drama. I'm sure no one has forgotten last year's Tory conference. But here's a reminder if you have tried desperately to block it out. It is clear that parts of our mini-budget went further and faster than markets were expecting. So the way we are delivering our mission right now has to change. Liz Truss decided on the Sunday night to U-turn on a key plank of her and Kwasi Kwarteng's mini-budget. Journalist Harry Cole put his foot in a lift, stopped the press, splashed the story. Everyone else followed suit. The next three days were pure pandemonium. Do you agree there's been a coup in the Tory party? Do you agree with the Home Secretary there's been a coup in the Tory party? Can we trust the Tories on the economy? Yep, that's me in my former role at Sky News. When the news hit, I, along with a load of other journalists, was there to watch the utter chaos unfold. And to shout questions at the key players, of course. I just want to ask what you think about the U-turn. U-turn? Yeah. Uh, you mean a change in government policy? Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah. yeah I, think it's, I think it's good news. I think it's what the people wanted. I think government's listened and uh, let's move on. Sometimes you have these incredible, spectacular conferences where everything's going crazy. Jack Blanchard again. Last year, Liz Truss melting down before our very eyes. The number 10 team running around with head in hands, U-turning in the middle of the night and all the rest of it. When it's like that, it is the most extraordinary spectacle. And from a journalistic point of view, it's such an important thing to be there and to cover. There are party conferences which are the opposite of that, where everyone stands around looking at each other going, why are we here? There's something about those four-day cauldrons Sam Coates again. Where everybody is in the same place in a way that they're almost never. For the rest of the year, the political system is spread disparately across 
parliament, the constituencies, ministerial offices, Labour Party HQ, Lib Dem HQ. And then, and then all of a sudden, everybody who likes each other and everybody who doesn't like each other and the media are all thrown together in one vat and the kind of temperature is turned up to maximum. So, of course, stuff happens and it's fascinating and very fun. And crucially, that vat, Aggie, is full of alcohol and that makes a big <laughs> difference to how the chemistry of party conference works. Do you think, for example, last year, but other occasions as well, like Theresa May when things were falling behind her on the stage, do you think if conference hadn't happened, it may never have reached boiling point? I think the trust thing was inescapably reaching boiling point. The conference was just the most delicious timing for those of us who wanted to watch it right with our noses pressed against the window right in front of us. You don't always get to do that when governments are collapsing and that was just an amazing thing. I mean, Theresa May's case was very specific. She had such a disastrous speech. I mean, really, it was comical, wasn't it? Ten years after Northern Rock, (coughs) our economy is back on track. The deficit is back to pre-crisis levels. I think it would have helped her if there hadn't been a party conference that year. But nevertheless, she was still in the Brexit bind that she was in. She still couldn't get her plan through her party. And so in the end, she was still toast either way. There's a fascinating chicken and egg about party conference, isn't there? Because is it the events that happen kind of stitch together the narrative? Or are we just looking out for things to stitch together the narrative that we already thought? They can shape the narrative when things are already starting to go wrong for someone. You talked about the Theresa May one. Sam, you'll remember Ed Miliband forgetting key parts of his speech that he'd really carefully memorised. And it turned out the key parts that he'd forgotten were on immigration and on the economy, the sort of the, the, the weak spots of his policy platform, as was seen. So it played perfectly into the narrative that already existed. Let's be honest, the most fun party conferences are the ones where whichever party is slightly starting to crumble, they're all putting a bat together, and then it just accelerates. So back to the 08 Gordon Brown conference. What we had that year was just this sense of Labour starting to really struggle post-financial crisis, post a couple of difficult years for Gordon Brown in the job that he'd wanted for so long. On the Sunday, the men on Sunday's then political editor Simon Walters had discovered that Ruth Kelly was going to be sacked. But everybody found out about this through the week. And in the end, in a drunken briefing at three in the morning or four in the morning on the sort of penultimate night, the spin doctors ended up sacking Ruth Kelly. So these conferences can end up with big transformational moments. And so that whole conference sort of ended in a cataclysmic disaster with people being fired live in front of journalists' eyes in the middle of the morning. There can also be the making of a politician. You know, if you get your big speech right, and I mean you really get it right, you can actually wow the crowds and you've got the absolute nation's media's attention. Ed Miliband, I remember his previous year's speech, went down an absolute storm. Nobody remembers it now, but he memorised it and actually delivered it. And it was great. And everyone came out going, maybe this guy is actually the real deal. For any politicians listening, it is worth remembering this you could have a genuine breakthrough at conference. In 2007, the Tories were consistently trailing Labour in the polls. And then David Cameron took to the stage. I want to make a speech about why I want to lead our country. And I haven't got an auto cue, and I haven't got a script. David did a very long speech without any notes, which he did an outstanding job of. Andy Coulson was his director of comms. We were really staring over the precipice. It could have been all over. But it tells you just how difficult things were to take that risk, to put yourself on the high wire in that way. 
uh, showed you that it was you know, that something dramatic needed to be done. So it was a brilliant decision of his and a brilliant performance of his. Mr. Brown, what's it going to be? Why don't you go ahead and call that election? At the same conference, then Shadow Chancellor George Osborne made an announcement on inheritance tax. Your dream is our dream. Your aspiration is our aspiration. We will get you out of tax and into your home, for we are on your side. There were very few sort of visceral moments in the room in, in politics, even fewer at conference. Real kind of, you know, God, that was a moment. And that was one when George announced that policy, also very rare that it hadn't been pre-briefed, that everyone knew about it in advance, right? <laughs> Which, of course, is very difficult to do. It was a genuine, oh, my God, moment. You could feel it in the room. But it absolutely translated into the polls, and it was a very, very dramatic turnaround. For Michael Heseltine back in the day, this was his favourite bit of conferences, making the big speeches. It undoubtedly has to be the opportunity to express your own views in your own way to the mass of the members of the Tory party or any party. It's a great feeling to share an experience with 4,000 people. Each minister or shadow spokesman has a personality of their own. They say use words that they choose with care to reflect their own attitudes and feelings. So it is a, a very important formative part of a political career to address party conference. Sometimes it might not be transformational, but you can make a joke at conference that's so good it's remembered decades later. Well, last week, The Guardian disclosed that the speech had not been written by Gordon Brown at all, <laughs> but by a 27-year-old choral singing researcher named Ed Ball. Well, that was a marvellous joke, and it was in no way mine. It came in a letter from Richard Ryder, who'd been chief whip in the time of John Major's government. I remember opening the envelope and the letter began, Dear Michael, you're the only person I can think of who might get away with this joke. And there it all was, written out. And I laughed and I thought, this is brilliant. And it had the absolute nugget of quality about a really good joke is that people could see it before you used it. So they were already beginning to laugh because they knew what was coming. So there you have it, the final proof. Labour's brand new shining modernist's economic dream. But it wasn't Brown's, it was Ball's. And they thundered with laughter. For ministers and shadow ministers, part of the point of conference is increased coverage. For the opposition, it's the one moment in the year that they'll get a free hit. By convention, the government is not supposed to criticise the opposition leader's speech on television, and vice versa. Although, one former government official said he managed to forget this two years in a row and was told off by numerous broadcasters. But even then, the same old question has to be asked. How much of this stuff is really cutting through? When I was chief executive of the Conservative Party... Mark McGregor again. I was in charge of organising that year's Conservative Party conference. And we had quite a high-profile series of speeches that seemed to generate some interesting and positive media coverage. The day after party conference, I went to a focus group 
I think it was above a pub in Luton, just to test, well, had anyone noticed what we've done? Or indeed, what had happened the previous week at the Labour Party conference? The first question was, anybody seen anything about politics in the last couple of weeks? Blank faces. Nope, haven't seen anything. So all the effort that had gone into organising the conference I'd helped organise, and indeed the Labour one the previous week, had passed everybody by. And is there a point in 2023 for conference to still exist? Barely. The problem is that it's a way for the parties to communicate to the outside world. And all those people I just talked about, they're the audience, but actually they're not the real audience. The real audience is in the outside world. So, of course, if it's just a shop window for the Conservative Party or Labour Party or other parties to communicate, it serves a purpose. But actually, over the years, what I found interesting is how little interest there is in that outside world. The conferences this year could be the last before the election, which will undoubtedly make them feel more important. But whether you're listening to this on the train to Tory conference or while you're packing your suitcase to go, when you get to conference, don't forget who it's really for. Conference is for the people that need to make money for their political parties. The parties benefit. Exhibition stands are hugely expensive. Corporate sponsor fringe meetings and receptions and think tank events. If you're a business leader, it's a great place to get your point of view over to those leading the country or those who might be leading the country in terms of what you need to help your business thrive. So that's the point of party conference season for activists, lobbyists, journalists and politicians. For ministers, it's a risk that can pay off, though the majority of the time, sorry guys, no one will notice a single thing you say. For backbenchers, it sounds like a few of them now figure there's no point in attending, especially as they have to pay the costs themselves. And if the trajectory that Fraser Nelson describes continues, and we get more and more lobbyists and fewer and fewer activists, could conferences become a place only for business leaders and senior politicians? If so, there might cease to be a point for the rest of us to turn up at all. But for now, as Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng proved so admirably last year, there's definitely still a reason for journalists to come and watch it all unfurl. Fingers crossed we have another dramatic season in store. Thanks for listening to Westminster Insider with me, Aggie Chambray. If you've enjoyed it, please spread the word, follow us, or maybe leave us a nice review. I'm on Twitter as at Agnes Chambray. My producer this week was Dan Hardoon of Whistledown Productions and here at Politico, my executive producer is Christina Gonzalez and my editor is Jack Blanchard. But before you go, Jack and Sam are back to tell us more about their new podcast. Yep, we are launching this Sunday at Tory Conference, no less. This is the first Politico Sky News tie-in in history. Sam and I have been offered the chance, or rather we've forced the opportunity, to sit together once a week on a Sunday evening and tell you what is going to be happening in the week ahead in politics. All the way between now and forever, Jack is either going to come to my house or I'm going to go to Jack's house and we're going to tell you what you need to know about uh, the next six, seven days of political news. We'll have put in all the calls, watched all the shows, read all the papers, so that you can get it on a Sunday evening from about 6.30, 7 o'clock, wherever you get your podcast. A very wise political journalist once said to me, whatever you do in journalism, do not try to predict the future. Well, we are breaking that rule. We are going to try and look into the crystal balls and get you ready and briefed for the week ahead. Uh, And if we get it wrong, then we'll fess up and say sorry. That's right. We want to prove you wrong. 
Alva will be back next week. See you then.